Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 43 of Swimming Upstream. We have a great show on tap for you all today that we are super excited to bring to you. After a breakout 2021 season, our guest today is in the midst of ending his 2022 season on a really good note on both sides of the baseball. It's Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp infielder and, like me, a guy who grew up in Southern California, Bryson Brigman. In this interview, we are going to get to it all from growing up as the eldest of four brothers to present day, where he is on the verge of making that big step up to Major League Baseball. I could tell you so much more about this young man from covering him since he arrived here in the Marlins organization, but I'm going to let this amazing conversation speak for itself. Without any further ado, guys, here it is, our sit down with Bryson Brigman. Enjoy. All right, guys, pleasure to be joined on the program by Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp infielder Bryson Brigman coming to us from Gwinnett, Georgia, where the um, Jumbo Shrimp are in the midst of one of their final series of 2022. So Bryson, man, thank you so much for doing this. Like I told you off air, like we agreed to do this on a Wednesday at this time, 1050 Eastern, 11 o'clock Eastern, whatever it is. And of course, you know, I get off work last night at my day job and I see you guys are in the 11th inning and I'm like, man. Bryson's going to not be happy, but you're still here. You're totally glad to do it. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I'm glad to have you. So thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all, all part of it. You know, um, every once in a while, they're going to get a lecture free baseball and, um, you know, still got to be ready to bounce back and play again today. So no worries. Glad to be on. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's just drop right into it, man. I got I got a fun one lined up today and I think I think everybody's going to enjoy it. So let's get to it. Um, I want to start at, at growing up. Um, as I told you just before, I'm also a San Diego guy. I think I've told you before now that I've also grown up. I also grew up in San Diego. You, of course, San Jose played your college ball in San Diego with the Toreros um, at, uh, at USD. Um, I actually went to middle school in Linda Vista, which is not too far away from USD. Um, and, you know, your siblings grew up there as well. Um, you got uh, UCSD for your brother Keenan and then your other two brothers, of course, at Santa Clara, so a little further up. So, I just want to go back to this. You, you're the oldest of, of four brothers. So let me know growing up, you know, you're the anchor. You got these three other little brothers. Uh, you know, Keenan's a little bit closer to you than the other two, but talk to me about growing up as the oldest brother in a pretty competitive household. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, it, it was a lot of fun. Obviously, you know, you have your fair share of fights as well. And, you know, we kind of went back and forth on different things, but the nice part was having four of us, we always had two versus two teams. So we could play a lot of different sports with those numbers, you know, a lot of, a lot of mini hockey, uh, basketball and, you know, football, stuff like that. So um, never had any shortage of, you know, someone to go out there and, and play with and, and just have fun and stuff like that. So that was really awesome. Um, I think I had a little bit of a stage of, uh, you know, trying to trying to toughen them up a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if that's if that's uh, what I was actually doing, but um, you know, I was I was a little tough on them every once in a while. Um, but you know, they gave it back to me as they got older now, and hopefully they don't harbor too much uh, too much. Uh, ang- uh, what would the word be for that? Harbor too much anger, I guess, uh, yeah. from that whole deal because they pretty much all pass me up now. So I don't know if I want to see them in a fight anymore, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was always good stuff. You know, we always, um, you know, had had a lot of good times together and I was very lucky. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, I'm kind of the opposite. I grew up with as the youngest uh, amongst my my other two siblings and I had two sisters. So 
um, yeah, kind of the opposite, but, um, that's awesome, dude. Um, uh, sure it was a, sure it was a fun time and watch those kids, man. You know, all three of those kids, uh, they got some talent as well. So yeah, man, um, yeah, no doubt. for sure. Let's go to, uh, let's go to one more on San Diego. Cause I got to ask this, like I come back out here. I, I grew up here in South Florida first nine years of my life. And then I go out to San Diego for 11 years and now I'm back here in South Florida. So I get the question so much from family, friends, people that, that talk to me about California and they're like, all right, well, Florida has a beach. It's got the weather, you know, there's vacation time here and everything else. So what, what does South Florida not have that San Diego has? So I know how I answer this question. I start with In-N-Out Burger and go to local Mexican food. And then I go into a million other things, but just tell everybody else down here in South Florida who asks this question, what does San Diego have that makes it special? Let us know. That's, that's a, that's a good question. Um, well, the first thing about San Diego, right, is like it's 72 and sunny pretty much every day yep. um, uh, or a majority of the year, you know, so that's that's another nice perk, but it's without all of the humidity. So South Florida comes with that kind of sticky humidity, which can be nice, honestly, um, in some situations, but it quickly turns into a little bit overboard um, and you start getting real sweaty, which I think is one of the advantages of the San Diego weather. Um I think you hit on it pretty well too with the, uh, with the local Mexican food is, is very, very good. Um, definitely a little bit of a difference there. Um, other than that, I mean, it's, it's pretty tough to say the beaches are definitely different. So it's a different vibe for sure. Um, I might have to give South Florida, maybe Jupiter, the win on the, on the clear water. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, it's very close. Right. So uh, just depends more what you're into. I think, you know, different feels a little bit more beachy for sure. In San Diego, um, a little bit more laid back. Uh, San Diego is a tough place to be though. If I had to pick a place to live, it would probably be San Diego, even though being from San Jose, um, that'll always be home. Um, San Diego is, is a close second for sure. Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like the water here is clear. Yeah. It's a little bit less scary to go in the ocean and everything. You can go in the ocean here all year round. Yeah. San Diego sometimes in a wetsuit. Right. But here, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just different. I mean, 20 minutes to the beach, 20 minutes to the mountains to go see the snow. Um, it's just a great place, man. And yeah, San Jose as well. Um, great place to be. I've been there many times. So yeah, uh, let's break into some baseball, Bryson. Um, just go back to the beginning, I guess, drafted 2016 Seattle. You're there for almost, I guess the first three seasons of your career traded in the midst of, of course, the third season um for Cameron Mabin um as one of like I guess the first moves of you know Derek Jeter era which won't go into that but uh tell me about getting the news and like the relocation process of getting settled out here on an opposite coast in South Florida um yeah definitely a little bit of a of a shock you know um when the trade rumors are going around and stuff like that uh I wasn't really any of those, I didn't really think that that would be um, something where I would be involved. Um, obviously, until you get the call from the from the farm director, or, you know, from the Mariners and stuff and say, hey, you know, thanks for what you did for us. But, you know, pack your stuff up. We're heading here. We're sending you out to uh, to the Marlins. Um, so it, it's it's bittersweet, right, because, you know, you have an opportunity and you know that there's a team out there that wants you. Uh, but at the same time, I had built a lot of relationships with my teammates um, in the Mariners organization um, and was starting to feel pretty comfortable. Um, you know, I was kind of 
out in Modesto, California, which uh, for people who don't know, it's pretty close to San Jose. It's about an hour and a half drive. So um, family was easily able to come see games, you know, which is always kind of a nice touch being um, which you you don't really get quite as much being all the way on the other coast, you know, being out in Florida, it's a little bit tougher, you know, to kind of arrange a trip and come out and see, uh, see the family and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of the main differences just from the, from the start. Um, and then obviously once you get there, you know, you have to kind of assimilate into the group, you know, pick up some new friends and mm. um, you know, obviously you, you may not have took somebody's job, but anytime there's movement, there's, you know, an opposite reaction, right. You know, so one person goes up, one person goes down, things like that. Right. So there's different dynamics in the team where guys may have had a good relationship with that guy. And now he's gone because of, you know, I had, they had opened up a spot for me. Right. So you have to kind of battle that and navigate that a little bit. Um, but overall, you know, being traded is definitely one of those things where it's almost like a badge of honor for uh, uh, for a baseball player because it kind of moves you down the line of, you know, okay, you really feel like, all right, now I'm really a professional baseball player. You know, I played here and I've got treated over here for, you know, a guy like Cameron Maven too, good name and everything like that. So just kind of a feather in the cap. And it's one of those things where you got to go over and kind of take advantage as quickly as you can. Um, but uh, it's definitely a bittersweet situation, right? Because, you know, you're close to home and everything, you're building friends and then you're kind of going over to that new school, so to say, and uh, trying to figure everything out. So it's a uh, bittersweet would be the word. Gotcha. Definitely. Um, you talk about building relationships and building new relationships, stuff like that. Um, who have been some of the guys or who were some of the guys or who are some of the guys now? Um, maybe just a few that have helped you or did help you uh, through that process. And maybe that are still helping you now um, here with the Marlins in terms of like a mentor or a guy that you can cling on to for some advice, something like that. Um, just call out a few. Right. Uh, well, I have to start at the beginning. Um, I think the first two guys that I actually ended up, you know, kind of talking with and stuff was, uh, and they're not with the Marlins anymore. I don't think they're playing baseball, uh, but Gunnar Schubert and Cameron Baranek, if you remember those names. Yes, I do. Um, those guys uh, were uh, with the Jupiter Hammerheads when I was over there. And um they were kind of the first guys that, you know, kind of welcomed me in and we were talking and just kind of, you know, just getting me uh, acquainted with things that were going on in the, in the system and everything. Um, but, you know, as time, you know, grew on, it just really becomes who you're spending the most time with. Right. So once you get up triple a, um, I don't think I've played a baseball game without Brian Miller in the dugout. Right. Uh, while being with the Marlins. Um, so at this point, you know, we, we've definitely become good friends and, and, um, you know, been able to help each other through the different ups and downs of the seasons and stuff like that. Um, Joe Dunan became one of my good buddies, uh, still is, you know, actually being out here in Gwinnett, get to go see him. Yep. Um, but um, yeah, we were roommates and stuff, you know, coming up. Um, that's kind of just to name a few. I mean, it, it, there's really a bunch of guys um, even now on the team. Like I feel, you know, I have really good relationships with, um, so it'd be, it would be tough to, to rattle off a, a bunch and forget one or two. But yeah. uh, honestly, I'm really happy with, um, you know, the situations that we're at uh, with all the teammates and everything like that. I think we have a good group and um, uh, building some good relationships that are going to last a long time. So uh, it takes a little bit, but, you know, the more time you spend with people, um, you know, the more you get to know them and kind of connect 
outside the field and, you know, not just within baseball things, which I think helps a lot. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some great guys you mentioned there, just to call Brian Miller. Um, I've known that guy since I started covering Marlin system and he's fabulous, like completely great guy. Uh, so yeah, great relationships there. Some great guys that you mentioned. Cam is also really cool. Gunner, all those guys. Great. Um, so many great guys in the system. So glad to see the, the relationship building and that they helped you out. It's really, really cool. Um, let me get to this team, the Jacksonville team as a whole this year. Uh, tell us about this team. Um, you kind of already hit on it, you know, relationships that you're building, but doing pretty well fighting for a playoff spot, what, like two and a half games back now. So um, just speak overall to the vibe in the clubhouse amongst you and these other guys, including Brian, uh, majority of which have been there most of the year. Um, plus like these new additions that are coming over, you got Victor Victor, um, that's coming up. You got Groshans that's there now. So, um, just talk to this club as a whole and then where you guys are at in terms of, um, you know, the morale and the culture and everything else. Yeah. Um, I think we're, we're in a good spot. I think we definitely have a chance to make a good run here. Um, there's some good teams in first place that are, um, they're first and second, I think that are. Uh, giving us a tough run for sure. So we're definitely going to have to play good baseball here this last month. Um, but it's doable. And um, the one thing about uh, kind of like you said, you know, some guys have been here the whole year, but a lot of times there's a lot of movement. You know, anytime right. you're in AAA team, mm -hmm. you know, guys are going up, new guys are coming down. Right. And, and a lot of times the goal may not be um, always to, you know, to get to Vegas, you know, right. and, and win that championship, right. A lot of times you want to get up to the big leagues and that's kind of more at the forefront. So, um, it, it, it's definitely a shift of, um, there's a shift of the dynamic for sure. Um, pretty constantly just because there's so much movement in AAA. Um, but I think as a group overall, um, we have an atmosphere that kind of brings people in, right. So, um, like right now we have, um, Bobby Garcia, who's rehabbing and, um, you know, his, his whole deal is, you know, he's a big leaguer, right? I mean, this yeah. is not, this is not a guy who's, you know, fighting for a job or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's getting back to back on his feet. He's getting ready to go right. uh, and finish strong this year. Um, but I think just the way that we're set up as a team, we have good ho cohesiveness so that he feels able to go around and kind of talk to different guys and, um, you know, be able to kind of express his knowledge or, you know, just the way he goes about his business, you know, it, it sets an example, um, for guys, which I think is really good. So, um, the movement can have, you know, effects in the fact of like, okay, maybe some of the chemistry is off because, you know, Charles LeBlanc is up there and he was one of our, um, you know, he was one of our staples in the lineup the whole year. Right. Um, but at the same time, we'll have guys come down like a De La Cruz or, um, you know, Sanchez, um, and these are really good hitters, guys who can really change the game at any point, um, you know, so it, you just kind of have to keep that good culture of like, okay, we're here to win. And, you know, we want to do well, right? We all want to have our numbers. But at the same time, we want to win as a team. Um, and we want to put, you know, a good, a good foot forward out there for the Marlins as you know, this is a winning organization. This is this is the way that we do things. So, um, you know, we expect to win and we go out there and compete hard. And obviously we all want to get to the big leagues. It's all in the back of our mind. But I think we've created a culture where guys know if we can go there, you know, have a good time, you know, enjoy each other's company and then go out there and compete. Um, you know, we're going to have a good shot to win. So um, hopefully that answers the question. Um, that kind of is where we're where we're at or I guess our mindset as a team, at least in my opinion. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. So I love what you said about, you know, when, when a big league guy comes over to rehab, you know, you guys have had Avi, you had Trevor Rogers this year. Um, you know, a bunch of guys, Trevor Rogers, who I think yeah, is going Birdie, back Birdie, Anderson. Ryan Anderson, John Birdie. Yeah, like all these guys are, that are coming down. Like that's got to be great for you guys as well to just be able to pick those guys' brains and say, hey, you know, we're like, you know, got a question on this. Can you answer? You know, this, this, you know, just the cohesiveness, like you said. And I think that's what Jacksonville has, has spoken to since Miami has, since this has become the AAA affiliate last year. Um, it really is just a team that fosters a good culture. And I, I really love that about them just being there and seeing, it. I love that about that team. Um, so really cool. Um, you guys, like I said, bringing a new guy like Roshan seems he fits in right away. He's doing very well. So, you know, uh, just everything together um, seems like a, a great spot for a AAA team. I'm glad that Miami made that move. No offense to Wichita. But um, you yeah. know, it's, it was cool. It was cool to see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's just, you know, when when you see guys picking up other guys and stuff like that, you know, where there's not that super like, oh, I'm out and, you know, shoot. Now I'm going to go sit here at the end of the dugout and, right. you know, no one says anything. No one does anything. No, but, you know, but we got guys who it doesn't matter if you're a big leaguer or a prospect, a guy from a ball coming up for whatever it is like. You know, guys don't feel like, oh, I can't talk to this guy or I can't pick this guy up. Like, you know, if, if Avi goes up there and strikes out, whatever, and comes back to the bench, like, you know, give him a little tap. Hey, you're all right, blah, blah, blah. Like, we just keep him moving. We're always looking to the next thing. And I think when you have somebody that can kind of, you know, tap you on the back and say, hey, here we go, you know, like, hey, you're all right, let's go. I think that um, really keeps you in the game and, and gives you a good opportunity to, you know, continue winning and having that team culture. Absolutely. Um, and speaking to that, let me just go to a couple of your coaches, uh, Darren, Darren Brown, uh, of course, manager, uh, first year manager of Jacksonville, replacing Alper Judique, who went up to the Marlins this year at the beginning of the season. So first year as head coach takes over Al, who I know you played for as well. So what does Darren effectively do to promote that same culture of, you know, polishing these guys off, make sure everybody picks everybody up on creating just a, a great, great dugout and a great place to be. Yeah. Um, uh, Brownie is very, um, I would say it's a little bit different, um, feel than, than Al, um, both great managers, um, but different styles. I believe that, um, Brownie is a little bit more old school. Um, but he has, you know, he, he trusts you to get yourself ready. So he, he want he demands that you get ready, right? He, he expects you to be ready at 7.05 to, you know, put your best foot forward, regardless of, hey, did we have BP today? Did we just hit in the cages? Um, you know, do we have optional, whatever it is? Um, you know, he's kind of put us on that mindset of, hey, regardless of what's going on, uh, I need you ready and expect the same product at 7.05. Um, and I don't know exactly how he makes decisions based on who plays and this and that, but I believe that overall uh, he's very fair with what he does. Cause it's not an easy job, right? You have, you have prospects, you have big league guys that come down, you have, you know, non-prospects, you have, there's a whole bunch uh, mix of players that you have to try and find playing time for. And also you want to win. Right. So I think he does a good job of, of um, getting guys in there, um, you know, and if you're doing well, you continue to play, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, that if you go in there and you do well, you, you're going to continue to get reps and at bats and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's really all you can ask for, you know, because when you're not doing well, obviously, you know, it's, you, you want to get back in there, but you know that when you do get back in there and you are doing well, he's going to continue to get you that, that opportunity, um, because he wants to win, you know what I'm saying? And he, and he's going to run with, um, who he feels is, is hot and is, is ready to go. So, 
Um, I don't envy that job. I think that's very, very tough to do, you know, um, just being that, you know, there's so many good players um, and you have to find time. Um, but I think he's doing a great job as, as you know, kind of the record shows. And um, we've been fighting for that first place spot pretty much all year up until uh, up until that last term series, you know, we'd been pretty much tied. So, um, yeah, I think he definitely puts a good a good culture forward, um, you know, doesn't like get guys, you know, you know, he doesn't let you get a little too loose. Right. He's going to make sure that the ship is is running the right way, um, yeah. which which I appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of lends into that old school feel. Um, but, yeah, I think he's doing a great job and putting us in a position to win. 100%. Yeah, uh, definitely seems like he's definitely helping out. Al's great as well. Um, but yeah, awesome stuff there yes. on him. Um, let me talk about Phil, Phil Plantier hitting coach, right? Um, he's He's gotten some some pretty high praise, uh, you know, from peers and players and pretty much across the league. So just real quick on Phil, um, how has he helped you as a hitter? Um, Phil is fantastic. Phil is um, one of the best hitting coaches, I believe, um, that I've come across in my entire career, really. Um, and there's been some good ones, right? Um, but just the attention to detail, um, the guy is completely locked in on, you know, the starters, the bullpen, um, you know, whoever is potentially coming up, rehab guys. Like, he knows all these pictures before we even get off the bus in Gwinnett. That's number one. He's got it all written down in his notebook. Two, like, He's, he's, you know, he wants to see guys every time. Like there's a lot of hitters, but he wants to see you every day in the cage because he has things that he's working on. He has notes that he's taking down. He's always, you know, trying to improve his players. And I think that's what gives him that edge of someone who really stands out because regardless of whether or not you're a big leader coming down or a big prospect or whatever it is, kind of it's the same theme. Um, he, he treats you the same way and he's looking to make you better. Um, and he's, he's not super duper like nitpicky on, okay, you should do this certain thing with, you know, this mechanic, whatever it is. But if you have a question for something, he can come to you and explain it, you know, a couple of different ways and say, okay, you can do this. This is how it looks, you know, okay, let's do this drill for that. Right. So he's giving you active um, things that you can do um, to try and fix the problem that you feel you have. And then if he sees that things are going well, he's hands off, right. He'll kind of let you, go through it. And then you can, you know, if you're on, you're on, no need to tinker with it. And then we're kind of come back to it if we need to. So um, it, it's hard to really explain in just a quick synopsis of what does Phil Plantier do? Um, but when you spend time around him um, and, you know, I've been lucky enough to spend a couple of years now with him, um, you really see the dedication he has for the game, for his players and um, how badly he wants it for, for guys, you know, cause he's a player who's, he's been in the big leagues. He's done everything. He doesn't need this. Right. But he really enjoys um, helping guys become the best that they can be. And um, when you see that in a coach, I think that really um, makes you want to, you know, work for him even more because he's working for you. So yeah. 100%. Shout out Phil. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Darren's job not being easy. I mean, this guy, um, you know, when players get to triple a, you know, maybe they're stuck in their habits, you know, they've been doing something the same way their whole career. Maybe it's not coached out of them yet. And now Phil's got in, he's going to see something and say something, and then it's up to him to kind of make it right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, just his ability to do that when players are maybe not like, maybe not stuck in their habits, but they've been doing something the same way. And maybe he sees something different. That's the, tr- with triple a coaching, it's always like fascinated me. If you can be an tr- effective triple a coach, you're doing something right. Right. Yes. Awesome. Yes, for sure. 
Awesome. All right, cool. So um, great stuff there. Phil, again, gets high praise from a lot of players, yourself included. So glad to have him in this organization. Definitely. Um, let's get to the, uh, this year as a whole for yourself, uh, more personally for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. This year so far, um, you know, lately it's been much better. Your month of June was very good. Um, August is going well for you. Um, it was a bit of a slow start. I think we can agree um, to the year, especially after how you performed last year, which was fantastic. Um, so a little bit of a slow start, but it's been better lately. So if you could just take us through the year as a whole for you um, on the offensive side of the ball, talk about that first. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree for sure. Definitely, definitely a slow start. I believe I was um, 17 for my first 105 at-bats. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly what the um, what the issue may have been, um, but I definitely feel that there was a shift in how I was being pitched. And you have to keep in mind, like, there's, you know, I, I played, what, 100 and I'm not sure the exact number. I'm going to say a little, over 100 games last yep. year yep. Um, in AAA, right? So I, I know all of these managers. I've <laughs> I played against, you know, a lot of these pitching coaches. It's a lot of the same guys, right? So they they game plan and they saw what I was doing last year, right? And and I think that was enough of them for to say, okay, hey, now we know Brigman can hit the fastball. Let's start, you know. We'll show him fastballs kind of, you know, near the zone, but really we're trying to get him to chase with, with, you know, sliders and off speed and stuff like that. Um, and I, and I was falling into the trap quite a bit. Right. So I had to take that time to make the adjustment. Um, and I think that's just something that you have to do as a hitter, right? Because, you know, you get to the big leagues, the league adjusts, right? I mean, there's plenty of examples. You can look down the lineup um, in the big leagues uh, from this year, you know, you can look at any other team, Right um guys go up they have success right everything's good and then the league adjusts right they figure out oh he can't hit that oh he reaches for that slider down and away or oh he can't hit that change of down and in or you know whatever the situation may be for the different hitter um these pitchers are really good and they start to exploit um what you can't hit um and uh that's just one of those things i had to adjust to so kind of like you said you know um I started picking it up in June, um, was doing, was doing a lot better. had a good month there. Um, July kind of stalled a little bit, you know, wasn't playing quite as much, you know, different, different things going on. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you could, you could throw excuses out there. End of the day, hitting just goes in waves. Right. Um, and then, you know, August, you know, you, you know, finishing up pretty strong here, feeling pretty good. So, you know, I, I feel overall, I've done a pretty good job adjusting to, um, what I'm seeing, and I'm actually really starting to feel more comfortable now. And I think it's just going to help me be a more complete uh, complete hitter as I move forward in my career, just because now last year I know, okay, hey, when these guys are throwing those ride fastballs in the zone and challenging, like, yeah, I'm, I'm squaring those up good, you know, and it's not really an issue. Now this year they've kind of changed the game plan, um, you know, starting to see a lot more off speed, which is good because now I can, you know, learn to decipher and see, okay, boom. Oh, that's a strike. Oh no, it's not. And, and trusting myself and allowing myself to swing at those hangers or, um, off-speed pitches in the zone, um, which I wasn't doing early because early I was just looking for that fastball, looking for that fastball, right. Staying on fastball timing, um, which you you still have to do in general. Um, but, uh, they weren't throwing those, right. I would see maybe be maybe one to two fastballs a game, um, and they would be out of the zone. Right. So then now I was forced to try and figure out a different way. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a roundabout way of, of saying kind of how, or at least what's going on in my mind from, uh, from what I've seen 
and, um, you know, making the adjustments a little slower than I wanted it to be. Obviously, you know, first 105 at bats, you want to make an adjustment a little bit quicker. Um, but you know, um, you know, things happen, you kind of get, you know, kind of snowball and and different things you start searching. And, you know, I feel now I'm kind of in a spot where I feel comfortable, um, hitting both speeds, um, giving myself a good opportunity to, you know, not be afraid to go ahead and take a swing at a, at a hanger or something like that. Um, if I do see it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on where I'm at so far. Yeah, man. I think that's great. I mean, um, a lot of these players, you know, they, they make a quick trip through, through AAA. And of course, you know, you've been here for a little while, but that is what it is, but you know, to, to be able to work that out in AAA before you make your debut that, Hey, you know, I gotta, I gotta be better at hitting the breaking ball. Like you said, I gotta be better at looking for the breaking ball, not just sitting fastball. Right. That's something that a lot of players have to work out at the major league level and sometimes goes in the opposite direction. So to be able to figure something like that out now, I think, like you said, will be will make you a more complete hitter in the future. So I'm, again, glad you're figuring that out. It's great to hear. Uh, definitely shows in the numbers, like we just mentioned here lately. Um, so good stuff there. Um, really great. Appreciate um, it. Let's get to defense. I got a couple more and then we're going to get out for the day, but let's get to defense. Um, of course, started as a shortstop. Um, almost a full-time move now to second base. Um, what's your current comfort level at the position? Um, and what have you done lately to stay consistent on that side of the ball? It's only like six or seven errors this year, which is not bad at all. Uh, last year, mm-hmm. I was seeing you make some great plays with glove flips and no glove flips and everything else. So <laughs> I think it looks yeah. good there, man. But um, you can let me know. How do you feel about second base? Yeah, uh, second base um, as a full-time position has definitely been a little bit of an adjustment just because um, – you know, there's, there's more situations, right. Um, where you have to play, um, and throw from different angles, right. When you're, uh, when you're at shortstop, which, you know, I was playing a lot more short last year. Um, you're kind of moving through the ball, you're going towards first base, right. Um, at second, sometimes you can get a little bit stagnant because you know, you have more time. Right. Um, and then, you know, double plays is a little bit different, right. Cause from shortstop, double plays, it's, you know, it's still right, left field throw, you know, you can kind of line up and you're still kind of throwing in that general direction. Um, second base is opposite, right? Now it's more of a left, right flip, or, you know, you got to spin and throw and things like that. Um, so I've always felt that I was able to do it. Um, I, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's, oh, this is this crazy, um, you know, transition for me or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of getting into, okay, what are the shifts? What are, you know, these different situations where, you know, you're seeing a lot more left-handed hitters. You go and play Durham, right? Um, you play Durham, they're going to have eight out of nine dudes are left-handed, right? So a lot of times you're, you know, you're seeing a lot more ground balls, a lot of different situations, you know, to bounce. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where it just takes reps, you know, and I feel now I'm pretty comfortable with where I'm at knowing where I need to be in double play situations, um, you know, trusting my feet to continue to keep moving and stuff like that. Um, but, but overall, I think I've, I've done a pretty good job. I think it could be a little bit better, a couple little, you know, ticky tack errors and stuff like that, where I could have been a little bit better, maybe sat back a little bit and kind of let the ball eat me up. But mm. other than that, you know, I felt, felt pretty solid in my ability to, you know, go out there and compete for my team and, and do that stuff. And, you know, I've always felt that, you know, my fielding has been solid. I, I don't know what, you know, the, the team consensus is or, you know, the scouting consensus or whatever it may, what it may be. But um, for me, I think it's been, you know, overall pretty, pretty solid transition. And, um, you know, 
it's one of those things where I think it just expands my, you know, utility a little bit. If, yeah. you know, if I can play second consistently and then, you know, I can sneak over to short and play a couple of days or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm also taking balls in the outfield now and, and trying to get as many reps as I can that way during BP and stuff like that, see ball at the bat. And, you know, just with baseball expanding utility, I don't think is a bad idea. Um, just cause you never know where you can, you know, where you can get into a, a team and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say at second feeling pretty comfortable, feeling good. Um, and just trying to also keep those other positions under my belt, you know, shortstop, you know, getting some ground balls at third and stuff like that. Just, just being ready for different situations. And then if I do get an opportunity to go out there and, and try these different positions and stuff like that, um, I feel I can, you know, excel and, and strive with, you know, a couple reps. So hundred yeah. percent, man. I mean, this organization as well, from everything that I know about it, loves the positional flexibility. So it's great to hear. Um, and that's only going to help you out in the future, right? The more you play, the more different positions you play, the more time you're going to get, right? The more easy it is to get you into a game. Uh, so yeah, definitely a great mindset to have. You know you've played third as well, shortstop, like you said. Now apparently getting some looks in the outfield and BP, like you said. So great steps to take. Glad that you're doing that. Um, so yeah, uh, can't go wrong. Is what I, I can point out there. Um, but, uh, my follow-up here as, as a natural infielder or more natural infielder, I should say most of your career now, um, what's your thought? We, we see this being expanded and tried out here, down here in Jupiter in the Florida state league. Um, this, this new thing about, um, I guess they just want to promote more offense. I'm guessing in baseball is what my guess would be. Takes a little strategy away from a manager and trying to ban the shift by painting this extra line, uh, on the infield to where you can't pass the line before the baseball is hit. So, I just want your brief thoughts maybe on, on this. Are you for it against it? What do you think about it? Yeah, I personally haven't experienced it. So I don't think I have the right. best, um, the best understanding of it, but um, I think that it will definitely change the way that you start to um, uh, look at infielders potentially. Mm -hmm. Right. Because yeah. now, you can't just stick somebody out there, put him in the shift mm -hmm. and, you know, okay, maybe he doesn't have much range or whatever, but, you know, he, he drops bombs or can do whatever. So we'll just, we'll stick him at second and, you know, put him in the shift whenever. And, you know, so now you got to kind of go to at least how I would look at it is you need more infielders who have good instincts, right? So guys who can kind of more think on the fly, have good range and stuff like that, because the balls aren't going to be just getting hit right to you anymore. You're going to have to start to be able to make adjustments quickly, um, kind of understand swing paths and uh, things like that and see what a guy's trying to do through an AB and kind of make those small adjustments to give you that, you know, that little advantage as opposed to just, you know, looking down at the card and, and standing right where the ball is going to be hit, you know? So um, offensively, um, I'm not sure exactly how that will um, – I think it will definitely open up some offense, right, especially guys who are Deadpool and stuff like that where they're stuck with, what was it, five guys or whatever on the right side that they have to try and get it through. Right. Um, so now, you know, that's going to open up a lot more space for them. So that could, you know, that could help that Deadpool hitter start become more of a thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure exactly how it's – playing out at those levels and how it's actually, you know, looking like in the game. Um, but it's definitely going to change, you know, some things I believe. Um, 
I guess we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Do you know if they have any plans to move that up to like AAA or or is it? You said it was in AA. No, it's Already? only in the Florida State League right now, and I think they just recently started okay. doing it in like the second half of the season. So um, I can tell you that it's definitely led to more offense, as you know from hitting here. Um, the Florida State League is not an easy place to hit in uh, for any hitter. Um, so you know yep. you start seeing two and three run games go to you know six and seven run games. So just because more balls are getting through that side, you know what I mean. So or both sides, I should right. say. So, yeah, I mean, um, it's something that I think, like, I agree with you. I think it's going to open up a little more offense, um, you know, turn those two-run games into, you know, potentially four, five, six-run games. So uh, maybe maybe uh, some some higher BABIPs and stuff like that is what I would guess. Um, so yeah. stuff like that is, um, is my guess for it. I don't know what the plan is to move it up either. Um, I, I mean – I, I would, I guess we just have to wait and see. I'd be speaking from ignorance if I told you that I did, but yeah. Um, from what I see just overall, it's just promoted more offense. Um, and I mean, I like it in the fact that, you know, it'll help hitters, um, you know, I guess be more confident and come by more offense, which is good for, I think more offense is good for the game, but it's also going to take the the card out of the manager's back pocket a little bit. Cause I love the strategy in baseball as well. So I'm kind of on the fence, but we'll see where it goes. I agree. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's tough because I mean, we have, you know, Ceballos is our, you know, basically dedicated infield coach where, mm -hmm. you know, he's getting us all dialed in on, you yeah. know, every batter, you know, he's got all the cards laminated and ready for us. Right. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of work that goes into it. Like you said, it's definitely a strategy thing and it definitely does play out quite a bit. Um, so we'll have to see, we'll have to see how um, they end up implementing it, but um, yeah, I mean, if, if more ground balls start getting through the infield, I don't think that's a terrible thing for me as a hitter as well. So, right. um, you know, I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it. Um, so, so yeah, we'll have to see, hopefully that opens up, you know, a spot too for, Hey, you got to have a little bit speedier or middle infield or, you know, whatever it is, a little more rangy and stuff yep. like that. And that might work in my favor as well. So, yeah. um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I don't think Absolutely. it's a bad thing. No, me either. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like you said. Uh, all right. Uh, second to last question. And then we're going to, we're going to get out for the day. Um, you know, just, just let's talk about positioning as a whole for you with, with Miami. And I promise I'm not going to go into free agency or anything like that. We know you're eligible for free agency. I'm not going to talk about it. If, if everybody that tuned in here is waiting for Bryson to talk about free agency, you came to the wrong place. I'm not going to ask him. I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. So my question on this though, is that the Marlins have started to do their due diligence and promote guys to the big leagues who are eligible for rule five or rule nine like yourself. So my question here is, you know, you know, just overall, if that, if that call comes from Miami rosters expanding tomorrow, of course, you get two more guys on the roster. If that call comes from Miami one, are you ready and two, how do you stay ready and just put all that crap that I just mentioned about rule five, rule nine? We know there was no rule five last year. You were eligible. No rule five. Now it's rule nine. Just putting all that crap out of your mind and going out there and playing baseball and staying ready for whenever that call might come. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. Um, one, for sure, I'm ready. Um, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been in this AAA league for a little bit now, right? And uh, I guess it depends on what you mean by ready, right? Because 
you know, you could say a guy's ready because he's hitting 400, but then, you know, things could go up there and, and it could change. Right. Or, right. you know, maybe you could keep doing the same thing or, or not. Right. Sure. I think it comes down to how are you getting yourself ready to prepare? Right. Are you doing your due diligence and understanding what you're walking into when you get into that box? Or are you just going up there and, and hoping that he throws you a fastball that you can hit? Right. So it's just one of those things where I think being ready is more about how you prepare and get yourself ready because, there's a lot of players in AAA who can play in the big leagues and have played in the big leagues, right? It just comes down to what, you know, what is needed at your at those different positions. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it is a numbers game, right? So you have a lot of stuff that you have to work on as a GM to be able to manipulate that roster and, and find the right thing. So, yeah, I'm ready. Um, waiting, waiting for the call. And, and when I get the call, just go out there and take advantage of my opportunity. I've, I've kind of always felt that way. Um, but... Um, when it comes to thinking about, you know, rule five or rule nine and things like that, um, you know, it's going to be in the back of your mind. I don't think that anyone is like, you know, at the end of the season, September 28th rolls around like, Oh wait, I'm rule five eligible. Like, no way. Like, that's cool. You know, it's one of those things where you're going to understand and, 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 and know that there's some implications there. Um, but you, you're always playing for 29 teams. You know, every time you step out on the field, you're always playing for 29 other teams. You could get traded at any point. There could be, you know, so it's no different than any other day, really. Um, it definitely changes the structure of your contract and things like that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's just kind of something that comes with time. If you're, if you're lucky enough to stay around uh, long enough to get through that minor league contract, right, um, things kind of open up and, and, you know, I don't know if it's easier or better or easier or worse. Right. Because now you got to try and find a job somewhere and right. and things like that. Um, but, you know, the only things that you can control is, you know, how you show up and prepare for the day and, and go out there. And I've kind of learned over, you know, the years now that um, the more that you're stressing about numbers or looking up at the board every AB and checking your average after, you know, after the yeah. game is over and stuff like that. It just doesn't really help you. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I think what really helps you is getting a good routine together. Um, and once you've executed that routine, you feel confident in your ability to go out there and compete and do what you do. Um, and then you can accept the results for what they are. Um, I think when you start searching and you're not doing your routines or you're not, you know, dialing in on your pictures or understanding what you're going to see. Um, it's a lot harder for you to understand and, and take those results and just keep it moving because, I think you kind of know in the back of your mind, like uh, there's something that's not right here. Or I don't feel confident. Right. So I think it's just, yeah, I'm ready to go. Cause I'm going to go up there and, and, and do my routine and, and, you know, study my pictures and be ready to compete. Um, but I can't worry about, Oh yeah. If I get that big league debut, then, you know, that that's going to be great for, for rule nine or, or I don't even know it's called rule nine, but that's kind of yeah, cool yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, for free agency or whatever. So, um, you know, for me, just, just stay in the course really, you know, trying to take it day by day as I, as I always have and, or I've learned to do. And um, yeah, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Awesome. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, controlling what you can control. That's it. Right. I, mean, I think you said it perfectly. Um, and then last one, Bryson, I'm going to get you out of here for the day. Um, again, really appreciate it. This has been awesome so far, but my last one, I just want to ask you a, a selfish question. Uh, when you get the call, cause we know it's coming, you know, it's going to come. Um, let's be honest. It's, it's coming. We just, it's got to come. So <laughs> when it, when yes, it comes, yes. I'm not going to do an F, I'm yes. going to do a when. So when it comes and you're a big leaguer and you get that call, that, Hey, Bryson Brigman is a big league baseball player. Um, Give me one adjective if you can forecast this. Maybe you can't, but if you can forecast this a little bit, 
one adjective on your reaction? Is it relief? Is it elation? What is it that you think that you will feel when the call comes? And slight follow-up, who's the first person you're going to tell? <laughs> um, that's, yeah. Well, the second one's easier. Uh, I'll definitely call my dad. I'll definitely okay. call my dad first. Yep. Um, just because, I mean, you know, it's it's been you know, years and years of, of grinding and, and, you know, he sends me videos after every single game. I mean, my man is absolutely dialed in on everything, right. He's always been my coach and everything. So I, I feel like he's in there with me every time that I'm up there. So um, for sure, my dad would be the first call. Um, it's tough to, it's tough to forecast the, the emotion though. Like I, yeah, I'm really not sure. That's why know? it's a hard question. <laughs> I, when I, when I imagined it, I've always kind of, um, I've always kind of see it as like, one of those almost like a crying moment but like now that I've seen it because I've seen people like kind of get a little little cryy when they get up there and right and I don't know if that's the way I'm gonna go I'm gonna try my best not to go that way just because I think it's one of those things where you know you just you're you're happy and and you know a little bit surprised probably maybe a little bit nervous and there's probably a lot of emotions going on honestly um but it, it's just really hard to say, you know, I might, I might bust down in tears and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, do the, do the whole nine. I'm really not sure. Um, but I'll definitely be ecstatic. I'll definitely be, you know, super excited to go out there and compete and, um, you know, put on that Jersey would be, would be definitely really cool. So uh, I'm going to go with excited. I'm going to go with excited. Great answer. I mean, it's a hard question to end on, but I think that's a great place to end it. So man, Bryson, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate your friendship over the years. I've talked to you a few times in spring training. Great to talk to you today. Thank you for contributing your time. Thank you to Paul from Belinger Group for setting it up for us. Definitely really appreciate everything, especially like I said at the beginning, after an extra inning game, you come on and, and talk with me for an hour. So, and you gave some amazing, amazing responses to every question that I had. So thank you again so much. Uh, hope you enjoyed being on. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, some good, some good questions on this one and uh, <laughs> hopefully was able to, to answer them in, uh, in a good way for the, for the peeps to get a little bit of insight and um, yeah, we just keep moving. We keep going. And thanks again. Appreciate it. 100%. Thank you again so much. Appreciate it. Later. Guys, this was such a fun conversation with a very intuitive, very talented young man. This guy just exemplifies the term team player it's a guy that has a great understanding and fantastic knowledge of both the game and of himself. So again, we want to thank Bryson for his time right after the game went late last night, 11 innings for Jacksonville. He comes on here in the morning, uh, 10 o'clock, 1030 uh, South Florida time. And he has just an amazing conversation with us with so much to share. We also want to thank Bryson's agency, Belinji Group, for making this happen. We hope you guys enjoyed listening to this as much as we did sitting down with Bryson and having this conversation. But that'll do it. Thanks so much for your support. And we will see you guys next time on Swimming Upstream.